This is Morning Breath, your drive-time devotion sure to jumpstart your day. Hosted by Pastor Dan Stahlbaum. Morning Breath starts now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the program. This is Wednesday, December 11th. Beautiful day. Weather's finally cooled down in sunny Florida, and it's an awesome thing. We're so glad you've taken time out of your busy day to be part of the Morning Breath family. What we do on Morning Breath is we read a chapter of the Bible. We read it. We spend some time with the Lord. We do what we would call maybe a morning devotion or a quiet time, however you want to look at it, with the focus being this one chapter. I do this at home. My co-host does this at home or at his office, wherever he does it. I don't even know. In his car. In the bathroom. In the bath, there you go, got it covered. <laughs> Wherever you do it, you do it. And then we come down to the studios here at the Maryland Campus East Coast Christian Center. We read the chapter on the air, and then as we've looked at it alone, we've each seen a few things, maybe heard a few things, or, or some things have stood out to us in the chapter as we've read it. And then we come and we share uh, back and forth on what we feel like God is saying to us, and uh, we let God speak through our hearts. Welcome, Pastor Mark. How you doing? Good, sir. How are you? Good. Good to have you, as always. Yeah, I love being on the show. It's yeah, fun. It's, yeah. Honestly, I, morning breath, I tell people this all the time because it's such a common thing where people say, I'm just not sure how to read my Bible. This is the best stinking tool I have ever seen. <laughs> if you if you are not, you know, equipped, you feel you feel unequipped to read your Bible. It's a big book. It's intimidating. Yep. Man, we we sit here and we read it with you and we talk about it. Yep. I can't think of any better tool to help you get started. If you don't know where to start, just get, just get the morning breath guide. I'll tell you how to do that. You can go on to our uh, our app, download the East Coast app. There's a podcast button, and under there is the morning breath information, and you can get a morning breath guide that tells you what chapters we're going to be reading and when, in what order. You can jump on there, read along with us, and then you're ready for the show. You can do that on our website, too, eccc.us. And also, if you just need to give uh, get a hard copy or an emailed copy, you can call the office, 452-1060, and we can get you that. But then you can listen to the on the app and on the website. You can listen to the podcast of the show. We keep them on there for the whole year. Um, you can go to our YouTube page, watch our sermons. You can just see all the things that are going on at East Coast. Absolutely. Love to have you. We've got a lot going on, too. We're rolling right up on Christmas. Christmas yeah. is coming. We've got Christmas Eve services, all different times and locations uh, at the four different locations that we have. So our recommendation would be go on to our website, East Coast uh, Christian Center's website, eccc.us, and uh, just go to the events page. Uh, there's a banner on there about Christmas Eve tickets. We do the tickets so that we make sure we hold your seat. It's not because we think, you know, oh, you got to get a ticket to come to our event. It's because we've had the event before. Before, and more people came to a certain service than would fit. And then they're disappointed, family and friends and all of that. So what we do is you can sign up ahead of time to which service you're going to go to. You'll get tickets for that service, and we'll reserve your seat there. So they're not like invitations. Don't invite 50 people that you don't think are coming. Just get the tickets you need, and then we'll have your seats there for you. And you can choose ahead of time, which is always a good thing. Absolutely. Anyway, I, what else is going on? Anything? I don't. I think that's about it. Christmas shopping. We should, <laughs> oh yeah. We should say hello to Nick. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing well. How you guys doing? Good. What happened to your hair? <laughs> uh, it's a secret. You're gonna have to he, see me in person. He fell and find into a out. bucket of bleach. Wow, that's <laughs> what it looks like to <laughs> me. Pastor Mark, you gave it away. He is very, uh, very light today. <laughs> very light. But luckily, my skin tone is a little bit tanner. Oh, yeah. You're very, oh, that, you're, you have a lovely tan. It. That's yes. why he did it. Yes. You have a lovely tan. <laughs> Thank you. His yeah. skin was looking too white, so he had to offset the hair to make himself look Oh, darker. he hasn't been <laughs> outside <laughs> in three years. I get it. No. He lives no. in this room. <laughs> yeah. The, we don't let him out. 
and throw them in a cup of coffee and a pop tart <laughs> every morning. Yeah, every morning. That's, that's my breakfast. Gets. Whether he needs it or not. Breakfast. Yeah. I don't even get lunch or dinner, so that's, that's all. I get. That's the way it works. And look at you. But it pays the big bucks. So I don't know how you've gotten up to 750 pounds on one pop tart <laughs> a day. That's amazing. Nick actually probably weighs a buck and a quarter. Yeah. How much do you weigh, Nick? Um, aren't you not supposed to ask a male that? No, I'm just no, kidding. No, it's a woman, you yeah, ding you're dong. Right. <laughs> uh, like 130. Okay, see, I was close there. So I'm never going to make the carnival guessing people's weights. Well, we're going to get into it then. We have got a great chapter of the Bible. We've been in a great little book. We started just on Monday, and uh, it's Philippians. We're going to read chapter 3. I'm going to read New King James. Pastor Mark's going to read New King James because yep. that's the way we do it around here. Roll. And uh, 21 verses. Uh, there's a good break at 11, though. So I'll read the first 11. You read the last 10. Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. All right. I say unto you, Pastor Dan, read, sir. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted lost for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness, which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who so walk, as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ whose end is destruction, whose God is in their belly, I'm sorry, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Amen. Well, this... uh. This chapter for me, in in some respects, it's a there, there's such a strong connection, you know, through this book, and the numbers in here are are in great places. I mean, I don't, I don't have any uh, conflict with where the numbers are, to, you know, to n- number the chapter, but he is really he goes back to a point in here that he made in chapter two, and 
in, in a powerful way about this resurrection thing. Uh, verse 11 for me always stands out so powerfully to me, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. And uh, that used to used to confuse me some about what that meant because uh, I, I don't think anybody has to work at or reach for rising from the dead. There will be, for every person who dies in Christ or out of Christ, they will rise from the dead unto judgment. And some will be, you know, passed over for judgment and, you know, will we'll go before Christ and as washed by the, by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, others will rise from the dead and be condemned because they rejected Christ and, and didn't receive him. So here Paul is talking about reaching for this thing called the resurrection from the dead. But the interesting thing is that word resurrection is not used anywhere else in the Bible. And it's the word out-resurrection. And if you were to read it exactly how it was written, it would read more like, if by any means I may, I may attain to the out-resurrection from among the dead. Hmm. And I think it's a, it's a good picture of what he was saying back in chapter 2, where he says uh, in verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. And so Paul also is talking about attaining something. Uh, Not that I've already attained, but I'm reaching to lay hold of. So if it's not simply rising from the dead or the first resurrection, as some might, might call it, in Scripture, and it is actually to have this out resurrection, and I think just to sum it up quickly, the picture I believe Paul is painting here is that he wants to fully express the resurrected Christ who lives in him on the outside of him. And so that's, you know, simply put, I think, what's going on here and all the theology about which resurrection it is and all of that. I think the clear thing is he's he says, I'm, I haven't gotten there yet. Well, that doesn't mean, he, I mean, he has received a perfect Messiah. He's been perfectly born again. He is going to be perfectly raised from the dead. Uh, He does have a perfect salvation. But the part that's not perfect in any of our lives is that which we are working our salvation out. And it does say that, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Get what's on the inside on the outside. And we all struggle with that. We all have maybe better days than other days. Uh, We all could say no matter how good our life was going or how godly, so to speak, uh, how Christ-like we were living, we could all say, man, I still want to reach forward to the goal of the high call of God in Christ Jesus. And that is to be what? To be one of the begotten from the dead, the, you know, the firstborn of many brethren, was what Jesus called it. He was, the, he was the first begotten from the dead, firstborn of many brethren. Who are the many brethren? We are. God wants us to be, you know, little Christs. Uh, you know, that's where they got the name Christian, Christ-like. And so that out-resurrection, I think, is very powerful. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, the chapter that we're reading today really kind of focuses in on understanding that that's the goal 
of who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to live. Well, and I love the, the, the this sentence in verse, the end of verse, uh, is, verse 11 is the end of a sentence. And it's a sentence that he started, you know, back in verse eight, <laughs> yeah. right? And But what's the context of this whole section is you're talking about Pastor Dan, that he's saying, look, I want to live out Jesus right now. Yep. And how, but what's the comparison there? The comparison is to religion. Yeah. So the, the whole, the whole section before this, he says, look, Beware of religious works. That's what he says when he says beware of the mutilation back in chapter 2. He's talking about religious works that, uh, are, that you're using to justify yourself. Beware of that, because that's not, what you're, that's not what's going to justify you. If anyone thinks he has confidence in the flesh, look, if you think that religion is going to justify you and you want to lay down your, your religious pedigree, i got a great one for you. Here, I'll, I'll slap mine down. You want to you compare? You want to get out the yardstick? Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's what he does. He says, look, if you want to compare, uh, if religion is what makes us righteous and it's what allows us to live out this life uh, that, is, that is an out-resurrection from the dead, look, I had the pedigree. I was circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee among Pharisees, never did anything uh, in, in contrast to the old covenant law. I had all of that right. And he said, and really, that, that amounts to absolutely nothing. <laughs> I count all those things as loss for Christ, because all that religion is not going to uh, in, empower me to live this out-resurrection life. And so many people are living in deception, and that's why on every single letter, pretty much, that Paul wrote, he had to talk about this topic, because religion is the big lie. Religion is the thing that says, I'm doing things right, therefore I must be righteous, and therefore God is happy with me. And that absolutely has nothing to do with it. And in fact, everything that we do right of our own effort to try to attain that right righteousness and to attain God's acceptance is absolutely rubbish, he says. It's junk. It's garbage. The language is even stronger than that in the original. <laughs> but he can't, but he's he's trying to use such strong language so that we could understand that knowing Jesus or, or having that righteousness comes through faith in Christ. And it says in verse 9, it says, I would be found in him not having my own righteousness, not even trying to have my own righteousness, because that's from the law, but the righteousness that is through faith in Christ Jesus, that righteousness is from God himself, so much better than anything that we could ever earn. And it sets up verse 10, what is the righteousness that is given to us? What does that provide? It enables us to know him. It enables us to have and live in the power of his resurrection. It enables us to fellowship with him in his church and be conformed into his image. And it's through that means that we obtain the ability to, out, to live this out-resurrection that you're talking about. But that is such a key message that Paul drives home over and over, and I feel like we can't take it for granted. We see it in here so repeatedly, and we can get to the point where it's like just kind of a droning sound, but we got to understand why was he driving that home? Because it's the thing that calls to us every day. Can you do it perfect? Well, yes. you must be better. Yes. And you know, the, the, the amazing thing is Paul does go back to this so many times throughout his entire writings because we go back to it yes. so many times and we start to depend on it. We start thinking, oh, because I did morning breath today, God's going to hear my prayer. Oh, uh, be, and, and see, that's not a bad thing. We're taking a good thing, reading your Bible, and then, but the bad thing is we're adding it to, and, and it's one of the things, and I better finish that sentence, adding it to what God's done, thinking it makes a difference in how we, you know, receive from God, and it does not. What we receive by faith, 
what God has provided through grace. That's just the way it works. If he hasn't provided it by grace, there's no way you can change it. And what your works do not add to what he provided by grace, because the moment you add a work to grace, it is no longer grace. Amen. And that's what happens. And it might be, and I, I think... Uh, it, where it says, beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. There's a couple things that that this, I think, is saying. Beware of dogs, which I think is Gentiles and could just be the world. Beware of the world's way. The world doesn't have a good, good you know, the world will, will suck you in. And then it says, beware of, of evil workers. Now, that may be people in the body or people in the so, so-called people of the church who are in the church but not of the church. They're in there trying to do things that are wrong in the church. And so they're leading the church, Christians, believers in the wrong way. And then it says, beware of the mutilation. Now, I'd always looked at that and still think this is correct. That's saying circumcision. Yeah. You know, and you don't need to mutilate yourself to be right with God is what it go, is going on to say. But another thing it could be is also mutilating grace. Mm. by adding law to it. Nice. And so I think that might be part of what he's saying here because that's what happens. The moment, see, grace is, is pure. Grace is a complete God work. It's a free gift of God. Not that we earned it, deserved it, anything of that nature. He did it totally from him. The moment you have to add, I must do this to have that, you have mutilated grace, and it's no longer grace. That's good. It completely takes—it it can't be great. It's not a free gift if you added a work to it. Yeah. And when I say a work, it could be a good work. It could be a bad work, too. And, and it, some of us, is pretty easy. And here's the other side of this. You do something wrong, and you feel condemned, and there's no way God would do that for me. That is as much walking in law— as, oh, I prayed today, so God is going to be nice to me today, as that is law. What you're saying in both cases is your works, whether bad or good, are what determining the grace of God, mm. and neither one are right. So you can go, it's in the enemy does that in both ways. So you're doing great in your life, things are going good, and he tries to get you over there in the law by, oh, look at all the good things going on in your life. You're doing really good. You're reading your Bible every day. You're praying. You're nice to your kids. You're nice to the dog even, you know. <laughs> I know you're not nice to the cat, but that doesn't count. You know, you go through and, and look at all that, and you go, oh, yeah. Now, it's good to do all that, and you will be better if you do all those things. You will be affected by reading your Bible and praying and being nice to your wife, and all that will make your life better, but it won't change how God feels about you. It won't change what he's given to you by, by the sacrifice of Jesus. None of that ever changes because it's been given by grace. So the devil tries to get you when you're going good, and then if things are going bad, he tries to push you further down by saying, oh, well, because of that, you'll never you know, you're never going to make it. You know, yeah, you did that. You're not, you, you don't deserve God's grace. Well, I got news for you. I never, I never did, never will yeah. deserve God's grace. It's a free gift of God. And so he tries to get us on both ends of that spectrum. And both of those are what I think the verses here are talking about law. Yeah. And when, and, and to go back to what you said about the out resurrection from the dead, if we're talking about that as being how we live out a Christ-like life, then the re, our good, so we're not saying, Pastor, Pastor Dan, are you saying that, you know, our good works mean nothing? They mean nothing as far as you obtaining righteousness. 
but your good works should not be an effort to obtain righteousness or should not be uh, something that you keep an accounting of uh, to justify yourself. Your good works are the result of that. That is the out-resurrection working out in you. It's the righteousness of God that's in you that is producing those good works. And so one of the best ways to stay humble, Paul talks so much about rejoicing in the Lord in this. So if you want to stay humble, every time you do that good work, every time you... you, you, Thank you, you, Jesus. Yes, you thank God for it. You say, Lord, thank you for helping me to do that. Thank you for, for helping me to have my thoughts in the right place. Thank you, Lord, for helping me to have a great conversation with my wife. Lord, thank you for helping me to read your word. Word and thank you that you're bringing it to life inside me. Good. If you keep that perspective, then you never start patting yourself on the back when you do get a good string of uh, you know of, of successes going. Oh, I love that picture, Mark. And I don't know if I'd ever really put that together in in what that chapter was saying in that context. That's good. You know, when you look at this, where it says, uh, "For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus." That. Uh, little phrase there, rejoice in Christ Jesus, is it's a present imperative in the in the way it's written, which really means it has it's make it a constant lifestyle. And so there's two things about that. Yes, we should respond when things are going well with praise God. Thanks for helping me, Lord. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's such such a good deal to hear from you today. You know, thank you, Lord. Rejoice in him, rejoice in him. And that's a great response to doing when you do do something right, do do something right. That's back to the scuba lawn here, the rubbish. But um, when you do accomplish something right, that's a great response. But the other side of it is I think if you're struggling to do what's right, start rejoicing God, mm. rejoicing in God. Start focusing on God. I think rejoicing helps you coming and going. That if you're struggling in a couple of, if you're struggling in what's going on in your relationships right now, take a little time to worship Christ. Take a little time to rejoice in him on what he's provided you. Most of the time when I'm struggling uh, with someone in my life, it's because I've got my focus on me or my focus on something in the world or some circumstance or situation, it can even be in the church, and I'm not thinking about Jesus. Yeah. I'm not, you know, focused on him. And when you begin to focus on him and rejoice in Christ Jesus, and I think that's a good word. It doesn't say rejoice about Christ Jesus. It says rejoice in Christ Jesus. And so when you start thinking of yourself in Christ, wow, here I am. I'm in Jesus. And that's the other thing about this whole righteousness thing. The righteousness is Christ's righteousness. Yes. And when I'm and because I'm in Christ, I'm righteous. I don't have to work for it or earn it or do anything with it. It is actually a a righteousness that I receive from Jesus. Now the good part about that is if I do something wrong, it doesn't affect Christ's righteousness. Yes. If I do something right, it doesn't build up Christ's righteousness. And that's the only righteousness I have. I am never right in and of myself. And that's part of what Paul's saying here. Here's my, you know, having my own righteousness. Oh, look at all my qualifications. You know, it isn't about your righteousness. It's in Christ Jesus. It says, which is from the law, my own righteousness, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, a righteousness which is from God by faith. So our righteousness is in Jesus, and I'm in Jesus, and that's how how come I'm righteous. Well, and in Christ is repeated in verse 14. He says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Beautiful. What is the upward call of God? 
The upward call of God is not the religious pedigree. The upward mm. call of God is not all the good works that you could stack up one after the other. That's not, and you feel like you're making progress. You feel like you're moving up, moving on up, right? Uh, you're not moving on up based on those things. The upward call of God is not your ability. The upward call of God is in Christ Jesus, like you were just saying, Pastor yep. Dan. When yep. you are in Christ, you are, you are riding the God escalator. That's the upward Beautiful. call. It's in Jesus. It's never in what we're able to accomplish. And he goes on in verse 15. He says, if you're mature, this is how you think. And that's kind of uh, a little like bit it. of a that's a little bit of a finger in the ribs there. But a lot of us make the mistake of thinking that mature Christianity is consists of a life of rule keeping. And it doesn't. And he says mature Christianity understands that the religious pedigree is meaningless and that everything else happens in Christ Jesus. It's... Well, if you take if you take David for example, I know he's not a New Testament Christian, but he definitely was a New Testament Old Testament saint, if I can say that. David, when he had a heart after God and sought God and loved God, no matter what his circumstances, he did well. Mm. But even as a king living in a castle, when his focus wasn't on seeking and following after God, he ended up in a mess. And I think we can yeah. all get there. Yeah. I, I got something else. I think this kind of sh- cool to share about Christ in just a minute. We'll be right back. You are listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center, Merritt Island, Vieira, and Coco. Need a fence professionally done the first time? Hercules and Atlas Fence, owned and operated by Mike Green, has been certified since 1960. No job is too small or too big. Hercules and Atlas Fence, 321-258-9853. Or visit us online at ineedafencenow.com. People often say kids are like sponges. Their powerful young minds will soak up anything and everything. This is true, especially during their toddler years, which is why it is important that they be in a fun, friendly, God-centered learning environment like East Coast Christian Academy. We offer activities in the areas of social, emotional, physical, and spiritual to guide those minds toward all that they were created to be. Contact Cindy Smith for more information at 453-KIDS. That's 453-5437. Langston Commercial Real Estate, owned by Scott Langston, a senior commercial broker, has been selling real estate and giving free consultations for over 18 years. Scott Langston will show you the best way to buy, invest, or lease commercial property. 321-403-1111. That's 321-403-1111. TNT, the new thing, church for the fired up teenager. Come out for a night of worship, growth, and good times every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at East Coast Christian Center. For more information, call 452-1060, extension 149. For frequent updates and events, check us out on Facebook and Instagram. East Coast Vieira meets every week at Vieira High School at 915 and 1045. With a high-energy and dynamic children's ministry for all ages, East Coast Vieira Youth meets every Sunday night at 6 p.m. For more information or to learn more, our website is vieira.eccc.us. Welcome back to the show. This is Morning 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 Breath. Welcome back, everybody. You know, when you look at this, I press towards a goal. 
for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And one of those things that we kind of, because he's saying, you know, reaching for Christ and putting him in a certain place and all that, sometimes we get in this thought was, well, well, I need to put Jesus first in my life. And you know, there's some truth to that, but I got a better idea than putting him first because a lot of times what happens when we put him first is it's Jesus first, family second, uh, church third, you know, whatever you have, whatever your order is, you start lining them out. And what happens is you get up in the morning, you pray and you seek God first. And then maybe you make kid, breakfast for your kids and you go do your family thing. And then you, you know, go to work and work hard. And then maybe that night you go to church and they're all like sort of on a list. Instead of having Jesus number one, and everything else, two, three, four, five, six, and seven, I think the better way to look at this is have Jesus at the center. Yes. If Jesus is at the center of your family, your work, your church, your recreation, your everything, that's better than sort of one, two, three, four, five, and placing them in some sort of order. Jesus is supposed to be at the center. So that's what it means for him to be number one in your life. Amen. See you guys. God bless. See you. Thank you for listening to Morning Breath from East Coast Christian Center. We hope to see you at one of our locations this weekend. For additional information, such as service times, events, and more, please visit us at eccc.us. Thanks, and we hope you have a blessed day.